Uh, here in week four, we are going to take a little bit of time today and go through what I would call uh, some strategic details that are more in-depth in about plans and strategy over the next couple of years that God is, we feel like, leading us into to really expand and grow and, and pursue this vision that he has for us. So would that be okay if I did that today? Kind of go through some more details, some more kind of explanation of some plans and things. Uh, I'll just say this, if you're new, visiting with us, you're brand new today, or maybe just second or third time, um, we welcome you and I'm glad that you're with us. Obviously, this is a little bit different than a normal service would be because we're taking time to go through our vision and really explain what the expansion plans look like for Life Church X over the next couple of years. But I really believe that with all my heart uh, that God will have something in this word for you today, that he'll have something in this service for you if your heart is open and you're ready to receive that. All right, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask you to come and be with us right now, God, as you already are, and just continue to increase in this place. Speak to us, God, and uh, we just want to hear from you. We just want to be led by you, and we want to be closer to you. And I pray that in these moments ahead today that all that would be accomplished, not by our might or power, but by your spirit, God. And we just submit to you, we surrender to you, we yield to you, and Holy Spirit, we say, um, please do whatever you want to do here in our midst this morning. Accomplish your will and your work, and would we be edified and strengthened as a people as we go out of here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me begin by reading these verses out of Isaiah chapter 54. You can grow, go there in your Bible if you have your Bible with you. Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3. It says, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Those are some pretty good words, aren't they? The prophet Isaiah is speaking these words to the people of Israel, and what you need to understand about this particular passage, these passages, is that this is, this is prophetic, and Isaiah, like all prophecy is meant to do, is meant to cast a vision and a direction for where God is wanting to take people. And when a, when a prophecy is delivered, it's speaking in future tense. But what the response from the people who would hear God's word declared by way of prophecy, the response that is meant to be there is a response of faith and belief. So when we hear the word, our faith attaches to what's being said, and there becomes an expectation and a, and a faith for these things that God is declaring to come to pass. Does that make sense? And, and so it's important because... In these verses, Isaiah is speaking about expansion and increase. He's saying, spread out your tent pegs, meaning pick them up from where they are, lengthen your cords, take them further out, and then drive them back down. Expand your perimeter line. God's getting ready to expand your border. God's getting ready to expand your influence. And there's a faith and expectation 
that actually begins to move at that word. Pick up those stakes, stretch them out, and then put them back down. Create space and create room for that next level of follow-through, which is that God begins to bring and fill in the space that we've just made room for. Does it make sense? So there's action that begins to happen in response to the Spirit of God moving before in the natural we actually start to see certain things take place that will eventually take place. And, and that's how faith responds to prophecy and to the Word of God, is it begins to move forward with expectation for something to happen that God is already declaring. And I love these verses because in the beginning, if you read them, it says, uh, he says, oh, you who are barren. So these things are not happening right now yet. He's saying, I want you, you, you need to move into position for the next thing to begin to happen. Once you move the tent pegs out, once you spread the borders out, then God comes and begins to fill in this new space and this new territory that has been established. And the people are accepting that, they're believing that, and they begin to move in response to that. And I feel a lot like that's where we are as a church, that God has called us, compelled us to really make a big step, to make a big leap, to, to spread out and actually make room for the new increase, the new growth that he wants to bring. Does that make sense? And so, and so we're moving in that direction with an anticipation that there are a lot of things that are going to take place and going to occur as we begin to get in position and occupy this new place that God is leading us to. And that's exciting. And, and let me encourage you that that is much like the way the life of faith is lived, is we live by the word of God. We hear the word and the voice of God for ourselves in our lives. We're, we're given that as part of our inheritance. My sheep will hear my voice. We're led by this, and we move in response to that. And then we trust that God is going to do things beyond the other side of our faith and obedience to fill in that space that he's leading us into. It's, it's, a, it's a way that the, the life of faith is lived. So as we kind of embark on this place, this, this season that we are in, I wanted to go today into some passages, just kind of our core text. In 1 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 1 Chronicles, chapters 28 and 29, and we won't obviously read the whole chapter, both chapters, but the context of these passages is this. David is coming to the people, and he is declaring the vision that God has cast forth for them to build the temple and build the dwelling place for the ark of God, which would be set up and established in Jerusalem. And so let's begin, we're going to read in verses uh, 1 and 2 to start with here in chapter 28. And I want you to think about this, this concept that David is casting a vision, they're initiating a big campaign to really carry out what's described as a great work for God, okay? Verse 1, David assembled at Jerusalem all of the leaders of Israel, officers of the tribes the captains of the divisions who served the king, captains over thousands, captains over hundreds, stewards over all the substance and possessions of the king and his sons, 
with the officials, the valiant men, and the mighty men of valor. You might say that as David got everybody together. (laughs) He brought everybody in to hear what God had to say because it was worth hearing about. Verse 2, King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I have had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and have made preparations to build it. So there's some key indication, key emphasis on a few things here. One, we begin to see if, if we move forward that there's this, this campaign that's rolled out. The people begin to bring all kinds of goods and resources to support the vision and the building of the temple. But David establishes in the very beginning what the motivation behind all of this is. He says, this is what's in my heart. It's to build a house of rest for the ark of God and for the footstool of our God. So the ark represents the presence of God, and what he's saying is we're going to build a house and build a place that's going to become a dwelling place for the presence of God among us and among his people, and this is the priority. And he also says that it's going to be like a footstool, it's going to be the footstool of our God, which represents the reign of the kingdom throughout the land. So as the presence begins to fill and dwell among the people, God is there, he is dwelling among them then the reign and the authority of God extends throughout the people and throughout the region and throughout the land. The the area begins to be blessed and improved and increased because the presence of God comes and is magnified, is increased among the people who are hungry for that and who are willing to move and mobilize in such a way, create a place for this to happen. Following with me? So, A.W. Tozer says that revival can be experienced on three levels. Because the first level, which is necessary for any forward movement after that, is individually. So as individuals, we are awakened to the move of God and to the things of God. We are personally impacted and affected by the increased presence by the magnified presence of God and his spirit that's being poured out among us. And individually, we can all experience that. We, we should be experiencing that. We should be having personal revival. The second level he says that revival can be experienced on is corporately among the local church. So you could have a church where God's spirit is being poured out because the hunger in that house and the, the pursuit of God, the seeking of God the reverence for God, the humility, the penitence, and all of that, that you can begin to see this revival atmosphere happening among the people in the church, and God's Spirit's being poured out. People are just being awakened within within that sphere, that reach, if you will. The third level, he says, revival is experienced on, which is the, the, the most intense, is on a community level. On a community level, which means that the presence in the, of God and the revival that's happening in the house is filling and increasing the place so much and working so powerfully in the people 
that it literally begins to pour out the windows and the doors and it overflows and it then begins to flow into the streets of the community or the towns around them. And then the community at large begins to be awakened to spiritual things and to the move of God and revival begins to happen on a widespread level. That's the one I'm interested in, (laughs) amen. And so uh, when David says we're building a place, a house for God to rest in, I I feel like it's, that's kind of the understanding. We're establishing this foundation because it's from this increased place that it's, everything's going to flow out of. David was well aware of the promise that was made to the people of Israel that through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so he understood that to carry out that will and that vision that God had for his people, that there had to be this hunger and this consensus of, consensus of the people. We're creating a place for God's presence to be magnified here. And then that's going to extend through his people. This reign, the domain of God, is going to extend and take on a much bigger geographic presence in our land, if you will. So, uh, and then he goes on, jump down to verse 8. He says this, Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, and the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land, and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. So this is another key component to a powerful move of God or a great work for God, as we see it described many times in Scripture. God did a great work among them, or the people were doing a great work for God that he had led them to is the case that it's referred to here with the temple. Um, And one of those important components that we have to see and recognize is that the approach to carrying out the vision is multi-generational. It's huge. What David is saying, and he's saying to the people which God has spoken to him, and he's declaring, is that this this is going to surpass you. In fact, it's, it's even more than that, actually. You are going to approach this, you and the people, to construct and build and do this in such a way, and, and it will be different if you do it with this intention, that it's actually being done not just for this generation, but for generations after this one where I start this work in. Is that making sense? Like, there's a real big difference in approaching it with like, it's about hearing us right now and where we are versus, hey, it's starting here, but this thing has to outlive us. This thing's going to outlast us. This is going to carry on way beyond when we're all gone. When our children and our children's children are here, this is a spiritual legacy that they're being raised up in, that they're advancing and going further with than what we ever did. That's, that's the heart and the idea. And, uh, and much of what I'm going to talk about today with some of the details and the, the plans and where we're headed, listen, it's very much focused on continuing to raise up that next generation. The, the opposite of this would be explained as a potential church or a group where something starts and then just kind of stays in that one generation. And what happens is everybody ages out together. It, they just kind of grow up and they age out and then eventually the work dies off. And, and it's not because people are not well-intentioned. I think it's because, in many cases, there isn't the foresight or an aggressive 
a pursuit of reaching down and pulling that next generation up to be a part of where things are heading. Part of moving the tent pegs out is creating space that says, for this next generation, there's place over here as you get raised up for you to occupy and for you to be a part of, and so on, so on, even beyond you. I mean, we had a great time in worship this morning, and I, I hope you noticed some of the things that I noticed, which is we've got a lot of young people who are doing an amazing job here leading us in worship, don't we? It's remarkable. Some of them are 14, 15, 16 years old. And I want to say this, just to, and I'll give credit to a lot of our leaders for this, but that happens because we have an intentional focus on, on making space in these areas to bring the young people up and get them involved and let their gifts begin to flourish because we believe that they can actually function and operate at a very high level right now in their gifting. And you have, a, you have an intentional pursuit of that. So there's this multi-generational thing that's going on, and David is making it clear, like, th- this is going to go way beyond us. It reminds me of this story I read about where this guy was outside in his porch on a Sunday afternoon, relaxing, and he looked over, and his neighbor, an elderly, elderly man, well advanced in years, went out, and he was planting a peach tree. This guy was really old. And so the neighbor's watching him, and he's just kind of paying attention. And finally, he gets up and walks over there, and he says, Hey, uh, I got to ask you, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm just really, really curious. You know, you're, you're well advanced in years, and you're, you're planting this, this little bitty baby peach tree. Um, you, you don't really expect to eat peaches off of this tree, do you? And the older man looked at it, and he said, Well, actually, no, I don't. He said, well, what's the point? Why are you going through all this effort? Why are you doing all this work to plant this tree if you're not going to be eating peaches off of it? And the elderly man said, well, I'll tell you exactly why. He said, I've been eating peaches my whole life. I love peaches. I've been enjoying peaches for years, but I've never ate peaches off of a tree that I planted myself. I've been eating peaches off trees that other people planted before me. Tree's not for me. It's for those who are coming after me. I think something significant happens in our heart when we go to a place of building and pursuing a vision that registers in us that this thing's beyond us. This thing's beyond just my lifetime or beyond affecting me. I'm going for generations beyond me. In fact, I'm willing to lay myself out and sacrifice and invest myself in such a way that I may never even see much of the fruit that comes out of the work that God's leading me to do in my lifetime, but I will know that that is a part of what a great work for God actually looks like. Amen? So it's multi-generational, and uh, jump down to verses 11 and 12. I want you to see this too. It says, David gave his son Solomon the plans. So David received the plans, and then he passed the plans on for the vestibule, the houses, the treasury, the upper chamber, inner chamber, place of the mercy seat, all these things. But listen to this in verse 12. It says, and the plans for all that he had by the Spirit. So I want you to take note of that, that the vision came from God, 
but the plans that were laid down to carry it out also came from God as well. That they were being led by the Spirit of God in this great work and in the execution of this work as God was giving it to them. And I love that, that we, the Bible says in Proverbs, the Lord orders the steps of a man. So how can a man know his own way? Uh, I think sometimes we get caught up in the big picture. You know, God's got a purpose and got a vision for my life, and, and we get hooked into that. And then sometimes we forget that God actually wants to ordain our daily steps and how we walk these things out as well. And he is interested in the details. In fact, he's better at working them out than we are. Anybody else ever figured that out before? <laughs> but we, we do that sometimes. We, we kind of get into doing that part on our own and forget. We can back up. Hey, wait a minute. You know, God can instruct our steps here. Let's seek him for that too. And so David is passing on plans to carry out this work that God has actually provided and given to them, right? Much like he did with Noah in the ark, much like he did with Moses in the tabernacle, and so on and so on. And so we see that these, these places that we arrive at and that God's people arrive at, you know, can become almost like these significant leaps, these significant jumps and steps forward. God's always working. He's always doing things. We know that. But there are these points in these moments the Bible describes as, and God began to do a great work among them, or they set out to do a great work for God. It's not that all the other times aren't good or great. It's just that these things are marked by some sort of stretching season and some sort of advancing season for God's people. Make sense? So uh, what I want to do now, shift gears a little bit, and I want to take you through some of the plans and the details that we believe God has laid down for us that represent how the execution of the vision that God has for us looks like over the next couple of years. Really, a two, three-year window is what we're seeing, what God is giving us. So let's start with the first slide. And, uh, you know, we'll begin here because our vision is to raise up game changers, and that drives everything, right? Uh, to raise up game changers... Those are, that's somebody who has, that has discovered that God has a purpose, a destiny for their life. They're, they're walking in and flourishing in their God-given calling, making an impact through the power and presence of God in their life in the world around them. The church is relevant because God's people who are the church are walking in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and impacting things around them, raising up game changers. And everything that we're going to talk about by way of expansion, by way of growth, by way of resources that we are going to use to deploy for this. This is so important, and, and I can't stress this enough, that all of that, all of that becomes meaningful when we attach it to the souls and the lives that are going to be affected and changed as a result of that. If it weren't for the lives of the people and the souls that we believe God is wanting to reach through this work, then frankly, we would take a pass on this, <laughs> okay? Because it wouldn't be enough to move us and motivate us. It's the, the things that we do, the tools and the resources, that's not the big picture. They support the vision. The big picture are the are the lives of people and the next generation and the families that are going to be raised up strong. That's what we actually associate all of this with that makes it meaningful and purposeful for us. And the next thing we look at here is it says the mission. 
And God has really said that, hey, this vision for this house to raise up game changers is it's going to happen in a way where there's going to be a regional impact in this area, where it's, it's not just about one geographic location, that there's going to be a regional footprint, if you will, that God's going to do, and it's going to help to elevate and strengthen the body of Christ in this, in this region, in this area. And that's how widespread and, and wide-reaching that this move and this work is going to be. And so we've really leaned into that. We've, we've said yes to that. We've stepped into that. And the strategy that we are deploying to support that is a multi-site church model, right? It's, it's one church, one vision, one family, but in multiple locations, because we believe that that will effectively allow us to continue reaching multiple areas and multiple communities, kind of support this vision of a uh, mission of having a regional impact. And then this, sec- this last one here, it says the vision campaign. So this is the, these are the resources, the tools that would be needed over the next couple of years to really support and advance this work. So we're going to go through that. But the first thing I want to show you, if you go to the next slide, is just kind of a brief summary of where we have come, what has already happened just in the last two or three years. Because I, I want everybody to realize that we've been leaning into this for several years now, right? I mean, if you've been around, you know that. But if you're new, you might not. We've been leaning into this for several years, but this step that we're getting ready to take and make, it's kind of like a big next step and a big leap from where we've been. And I find it beneficial to build faith and build confidence in what God has already done when we peer into the big things that are still yet ahead that have to be done. So we look at these uh, last couple years, and I'm just going to show you in both locations, Waterloo and Jerseyville campus right now where we're positioned. Here in Waterloo, we have invested significant resources to really reach the next generation, to expand and uh, broaden our facilities and our resources to be able to minister to the young people effectively. We renovated all of our kids' areas downstairs uh, in the first couple of years. We renovated the youth spaces. We've done a lot with our equipment and our technology. Um, We've done quite a bit. We invested $175,000 approximately just in the expansion efforts over the last couple of years here at the Waterloo campus to do these things. Additionally, we paid off what was around $100,000 uh, to buy this building, so we became debt-free and paid off the facility. So there's $300,000 of resources that flowed in to the house that were able to be invested in this way to support this. In 2020, we launched our second campus in Jerseyville. It was a church that was going through transition. We were able to come along and support that process, and it ended up leading to a new campus launch for Life Church X. Well, there were some legal processes that had to go on in order to establish that. As you might imagine, that's, you know, can become fairly extensive. Uh, We had improvements that we made to the facilities up there to expand the audiovisual equipment. So we had satellite capability and technology so that we could be in multiple places. And then we also had some debt that we paid off up there as well. Approximately $100,000 that got invested in the Jerseyville campus. So just in the last few years... $400,000 of resources invested 
above and beyond the normal operating budget to make things go week to week, month to month, to continue moving us forward to that vi- of, in this vision. And all along, being able to remain debt-free up to that point in the process. So there's quite a bit that God did right there. I just wanted you to see that, all right? Um, and uh, we move to the next slide, and we start to peer into, okay, what's next? Where do we go from here? And we've, I've, we've broken this down in two phases. Phase one is 2022. Phase two is 2023 and 2024. That's estimated timeline that we envisioned a lot of this happening in. Now, in phase one, and by the way, this, is, this content's all in the brochures that you should have received today when you came in that you'll be able to take with you, but I'm just kind of walking you through it right now uh, to give some explanation. So in phase one, the first couple lines are actually already done, which is buying the new facility in Waterloo to be able to create space for growth, right? Which obviously we have a tour available today at. So that building was purchased and closed on. We were able to get the financing for that uh, last December. The purchase price of that building was $2.5 million. We brought a half million dollars down to the table to put down on it. So we financed the two and, uh, and purchased the building. The appraisals came back through the closing process around like $4.3 million. So we're in a pretty good position by way of of net worth as, as far as where we stand on the building. Um, and then we were able to get approved for a construction loan up to $1.2 million to expand the facility to make a place for a sanctuary so that we have the ability to go and start having services there. That's, that part is already done. With the money that we were able to bring and put down, the half million, plus the the operating inflow of where the church is at, we were able to secure all that. So that's done. We're there based on where we are as a church right now. Following me so far. So then to go forward, what gets beyond that? This is where kind of like that reaching and stepping into new place and for growth comes is, first of all, in phase one, a lot of the furnishings for that. So we took care of a lot of the stuff, buying it, doing some expansion, getting in the door, but there's still the need for furnishings for a lot of that. So like the seating, just in the sanctuary and in the youth spaces and all that, looking at around 50 grand just for the seating expenses. Audiovisual equipment, roughly 300,000, that's all the sound, the lighting, the electrical, all the speakers, all the soundboards, all the computers, stuff that I know absolutely nothing about. Um, so... You know, it's like a little overwhelming sometimes for me with that stuff. But we've got experts that are working with us to do all of this, and our team is doing a wonderful job overseeing this process. Okay, so that's about 300000 And then the rest of the furnishings for the lobby, the sanctuary, the offices, the kids' spaces, the youth spaces, everything that's going to go in these areas, and another 150000 So in phase one... This vision campaign that we're entering into, we're looking at about 500000 ab- above and beyond just the normal stuff that we are already taking on, okay? Then when we get through that, we move into phase two, which is in 23 and 24. And what we are going to do there is continue to improve, expand, and renovate the rest of the facility in Waterloo, because initially we're going in creating the sanctuary and some temporary space 
to start having services, right? But all the other spaces and areas are yet to be developed. That would be the youth area. That would be the kids area. That would be redoing a lot of the administrative offices. We can use and repurpose a lot of this as it is right now, but the, the completed vision and plan for all that requires additional renovation uh, and, and construction. So the estimated amount for the rest of the Waterloo campus is around $1 million through phase two. And then we're also going to do the same thing in our Jerseyville campus. We actually have two buildings in addition to the main sanctuary building. One of those is going to become the new youth center that's going to look just like the youth center we're building here inside as far as the, the things that we develop there. And then also we're going to renovate the third building in our Jerseyville campus, which would be where a lot of our community partnerships can be ran out of, community programs can happen there, shared space arrangements, potential additional revenue sources and opportunities like we have with around 9,000 square feet of our new facility over here. And we'll be able to have additional income coming in from that once we have partners and get lease contracts in place and things like that. So it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's a good model. It's an effective model, but obviously it requires some, some growth and movement forward. So the total vision campaign for the next uh, three years, you can see there is 2.5 million. That's what the additional amount above and beyond the normal uh, operations is going to be. Go to the next slide. I'm going to walk you through some concept drawings of what some of these spaces and areas are going to look like and what the focal points are. But you can see right here that this is kind of a snapshot of where we are. That's the new building, obviously, here in Waterloo that we just purchased that we're excited to get into. Down at the bottom, that's actually a snapshot of the front of our Jerseyville campus. That's the main sanctuary there. And you can kind of see one of the other buildings off to the side. That's the smaller building that would be the administrative and community partner areas that we would develop. Uh, you can't see the youth spinner building right now, but it's about 6,000 square feet. Go to the next slide. So this is a, a snapshot of what the new sanctuary here in Waterloo is going to look like. Uh, you can see we've got the elevated stadium seating in the back. You've got the nice big platform and the screens and the lights and all that, all the seating. This sanctuary is going to have the capacity to seat up to 525 chairs. So it's going to have a pretty large room for, for growth potential. Uh, go to the next slide. You see here over off to the side, there's that area where it says prayer room. This is a big part of what we're envisioning going on is obviously you probably heard me talk about all the people that we continue to see in this vision, like down at the altars, people being ministered to, people experiencing freedom, right? The brokenhearted finding healing and restored all these things, ministry happening, presence of God being poured out powerfully, but these prayer rooms and stuff that are off to the sides, you know, that represents extended ministry and extended types of things that are happening even beyond the, no the normal weekend services. So before services, after services, all afternoon, heck, people just hanging out and coming in, receiving prayer. Or during the week, we open these prayer rooms up. We've got worship music playing. We've got nice, comfortable seating. People just come on their days off whenever they want, and it's just a place of prayer. It's just a place where the presence of God is thick and strong, and, and people can just come and, and dwell in these places and be in these places. 
And I also believe it's going to really affect and impact a lot of the community things and events and programs that are happening throughout the week as well that are being touched and affected by what's happening here in these prayer rooms too. Pretty cool, huh? So, uh, And so we want to do some renovation to also uh, develop those prayer areas in our Jerseyville campus as well. So you go to this next slide. This is a snapshot of what will be our temporary space that we'll move into first to start having services, but it's the youth center uh, that's eventually going to be totally done whenever we finish phase two. This is, you can see a picture of it. It's like a gymnasium where there's the basketball courts. They're going to have some other really cool things happening. You've got the youth can do worship nights, concerts. Uh, they can do their get-togethers and gatherings in this space. It's a multi-purpose space that could be used for events and functions for the rest of the congregation as well. There's another shot of it from the other angle. And then also off from there, we have the gaming center and the hangout area for the youth space as well that's attached to the sanctuary. You've got uh, the seating. You've got the games. You've got uh, the screens and stuff on the previous slide would represent kind of like the technology that we want to bring in and have some programs that are after-school programs for the students that we want to partner with the YMCA to build and develop. So we envision just things that are after-school activities and programs that the Y is actually working with us to put on, but we've got the space and we've got some of the resources there to be able to do that. And then that becomes kind of like a feeder if you will, for the youth program on Wednesday nights. The after-school activities can flow into that. Also becomes another feeder for the church and the weekend services. And I mean, you can just see everything starts touching everything, right? Go ahead to the next one. Uh, so this, the summary of that is that the focus on the campus model that we're developing and the expansion is designed to move us towards heavy emphasis on the youth, the next generation, the kids, strong emphasis on these prayer rooms and just the presence of God, a dwelling place for God's presence, for powerful things to be happening, as well as community partnerships and programs with other organizations. And the church is just, you know, the fountainhead. It's that life flow that's irrigating all of these other places of our community. Lots of activity. It's a beacon. It's a lighthouse. I mean, people are being drawn to it. But that, that water, that healthy water is flowing out of this place, amen, into the places all around the community and the town. You know, much like in Ezekiel's vision, when he was walking with the, the Lord, there was a river that was flowing out from under the floor of the threshold of the temple. And that river went and irrigated all the land, and it got deeper and wider and bigger as it continued to go forward. But listen, the source of where it was flowing out of was the house of the Lord, Right? This is a picture of like how the Holy Spirit wants to operate in our midst. These, there's this house of the Lord. There's this presence. There's this reverence. There's this hunger in God's people corporately and collectively coming together to worship and assemble and seek the Lord and pray and fellowship. But that river and that water does not stop in the temple. It flows out from the temple and flows into all of the landscape around that area and irrigates it. It makes it vibrant and healthy. Oh, hallelujah. I'm okay. I'm preaching to myself right now. So, okay. Um, and then the next slide. So, that's just a summary there of the campaign. You can see the pie chart phase one, phase two, resources needed in the vision campaign. Go to the last one. And so, you say, okay, Pastor, I get it. You know, you laid it all out, a lot of details. I see the numbers. It's, it's, I get all that. What, what, are, you, what are you asking? Well, 
What I'm asking everybody to do is this. I'm asking everybody to pray and seek the Lord and ask him this question. God, how would you have me to partner with you in this great work that you're getting ready to do? What does that look like? How would you have me to do that? Because I know that God speaks to his people. Part of our inheritance, right? He speaks to his people. And I, I, we know that the tithe, the first tenth, that's, that's the base. That's the, that's the beginning point of trusting God as provider. When we're talking about a vision campaign and a stretching, we're talking about what the Bible refers to as offerings and additional beyond that, right? And it's clear in 1 Corinthians that when, when God is doing that, that he will speak and lead the people. There needs to be no manipulation by man, no coercion, none of that. It, it's present it, lay it out there, and much like with David, also with Moses when the tabernacle was built, here's what it says. It says that God began to stir the hearts and move the hearts of those who were willing. And so to me, that's the model. Like, that's the template, right? Present it, put it out there, preach and teach a congregation to hear the voice of God for themselves, and then let God do the work that God wants to do. I think for all of us, here's what we have to do. We have to come to the Lord and say yes. Yes, God. I say yes to however you want to lead me to partner with you in this work that you're doing. So instruct me and lead me. And then let the Holy Spirit speak to you and, and help you see what that is. And God will begin to move on the hearts of the people, right? And, and just show you what that might look like. Time, talent, treasure, like even after the resources came in for the campaign, you know what followed the resources? All the skilled craftsmen, the laborers, the people who had the spirit and the wisdom of knowledge to be able to do the work that God, so they took all this treasure that came in to support it, and then they began to use that treasure to build it and construct it. And so as we move forward and we step into this and say yes to God, he's, I believe, going to stir hearts, and he's going to move people into position. Yes, there's going to be gifts and offerings and treasure brought forth, but there's going to be time and labor and passion and gifts and abilities that are brought forth to be a part of all of this. That's why it's a vision campaign. It's not just about the monetary resources. It's about the whole picture. Does that make sense? Amen. So just, I'm asking you to pray, and I'm asking you to pray for our church, you know, everybody, to just kind of be unified on the same page. Everybody is headed in the same direction. We know where we're going. And just ask the Lord, what does this look like for me? Those vision brochures, those campaign brochures that we handed out today so that you could take those with you. You know, there's all the information that we covered today in there, but there's also a card at the back that gives you an opportunity once the Lord speaks to you and, and talks to you about what that is uh, to decide, okay, how would I want to support that? And it could be over three years. It could be uh, in one year. It could be, you know, whatever... God might say, like he might speak to some people and say, hey, I want you to bring this gift over each year for the next three years. And there's also a part in there that says like kickstart offering. So he may move on the hearts of people to say, I want to sow into this early need right now to furnish and provide for a lot of these things so that we can actually get into that space, get started, and then begin to grow once we get there, right? So just pray and ask the Lord to, to speak to you about what that might be. And, uh, and we just, we trust God to move. Trust him to do what he only he can do, right? Amen.
So this last part I want to show you is like, okay, once the people said yes to God with David, when he rolled out this campaign and everything, once that happened, what did some of this look like? Uh, verse 29, I'm sorry, chapter 29, uh, go down to verse 3. David says, moreover, I have set my affection on the house of my God, and I have given to the house of God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. I love this because King David himself, he says, he presented the vision, he laid it out there for the people, but then he also told the people, he's like, hey, I'm going into my own special treasury and I'm pulling out an extravagant gift from just me and my house to the Lord. I'm leading the way. I'm going first. I love that. And then he goes on to say like a lot of the gift that God had presented that was leading him to present. And then in verse five, he wraps it up and says this, who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? And I love it. He's just, David's just making an invitation. He's saying, okay, to consecrate a gift is to mean is it means to set apart. You can consecrate your time on the Sabbath. You can consecrate certain resources or certain things in your life and say, I'm setting this apart for God for this reason or this purpose. And so David is saying, who will be led by God to consecrate an offering and a gift that's for this work that God wants to do? And amazingly, you know, the resources just flood in and everything that's needed is provided for. In Exodus, when Moses had the campaign for the tabernacle, it said there was so much that came in, they actually had to stop the people from giving because they had more than enough and they didn't even know where to put all of the resources. That's a pretty good problem to have, right? <laughs> um, so let's jump down to verse 12 in chapter 29 and we're going to wrap it up here. Both riches and honor come from you, O God, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. Who am I and who are we, your people, that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own we have given to you. This is amazing to me. They are acknowledging, first of all, there's, he, David's saying, like, who are we that we even get to be a part of participating in this great work, God? You're so amazing. You're so extravagant that you would allow us to be involved and be a part of this process. And then he says this, the, the gift and the, the things that we're bringing to you, God, we acknowledge that you own everything, and it's actually by your hand that it's even in our ability to bring this extravagance in return to give it to you as a gift. I love that because it demonstrates faith and trust. I know God for who he is, Jira, provider. There's a need, guess what? God supplies by moving his people's hearts, and guess what? That means that there will continue to be increase in overflow in the years and the weeks, months that are ahead for all those who continue to trust God and step out that way. It's just a beautiful demonstration of that. And then in verse 16, he says, O oh Lord God, all this abundance we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name. It's your hand. It's from your own. We know also, God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me and the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now with joy... 
I have seen your people who are present here also offer willingly to you. Now, close with this, and I really I, I want this to stick with you. When God truly does lead us, it's not manipulation, it's not coercion, it's done out of guilt. Those are terrible reasons to give. The Bible makes it clear you should never do that. But when the Spirit of God leads us, there, there, there will be a faith needed and a saying yes to God, right, to, to follow that. But when that happens, much like we see the result of the people here, this is, what, this is what's amazing. They rejoice at the opportunity to give. Now think about that, because human nature, tendency, scarcity mentality would not dictate this kind of response. It'd be like, oh, okay, I'll do it because I know it's good and I know it's a big thing, but oh, it hurts to do it. Oh, I'm grievous in my heart because I've parted with something that I needed. Following me? And that is not the response that we see. We actually see that the people rejoice at the opportunity of letting go of something significant to be able to sow into the work that God's doing because they understand that we are actually investing in eternal things here and, and, and we're rejoicing. We're not grieving in our heart. And as a people, when God's leading us to sow and, and be generous and to give and do these things, this is, he says, you test the heart, right? God's wanting to actually do a work in us and through us and in our heart to stretch us and grow us in the process of involving us in this thing. It's amazing because God could just move whatever he wanted to move to do what he wanted to do, but he creates an opportunity in the work that he does to bring his people up to new levels in their trust and in their knowing him as the process goes along. And I, I feel like that's kind of where we are. It's like, okay, God, this, I mean, clearly, you have to do that. Like, you, there would be no denying that it was the hand of God if we move forward and all those things begin to happen. And so for us, it's just, okay, an opportunity for us to be spirit-led in our lives, to seek and hear the voice of God and be led in how we would partner with him in what it is that he's doing. Amen. Amen. So let's do this. Let's pray. And I'm just going to ask you to kind of tune in for a moment here before we go. You can go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. And just, you know, with a genuine heart, just ask the Lord, Lord, Holy Spirit, what might you be saying to me? Right? And I think there's probably a few different types of people here today. One, you're new, you're visiting and this maybe isn't the place that you're going to land. And it's okay. And I know this was a little untraditional service for you, but boy, I pray that you still are blessed by it. I, I pray that you're touched by knowing that God's doing great things in the lives of his people and in his churches in this area right now. And, uh, and I would still ask you to just pray for us and for the work that God's doing. And you stay and you, you be here and... You get what God wants to give you, and maybe you need to be here for a season just to heal, just to soak in the presence of God. Maybe you just need to be restored from some hurts or some wounds. I'm just telling you right now, you, you, we, we love that you're here, and you, you stay here as long as you want to, and you let God do what he wants to do. I consider it an honor that you would land here, if even for a short time. Maybe there's a second group of people, and you're new and newer, 
but you're supposed to be here. <laughs> and the Lord is settling some things for you now. You're going to put down roots. You're going to call this place home. You're going to build here. You're going to grow here. And I would just encourage you, the Lord knows how to order your steps. He knows what this thing's going to look like. Don't get overwhelmed by all that. But we welcome you in, and, and we say, man, we would be honored to have you be a part of this with us and lock arms and help us go reach our community in this region. And then I know there's those who've been with us for a while now, maybe even since the beginning, probably 15 or 20 people who've been here for the last five and a half years since we started the church. And I can only assume if you are, that you've got to be sitting here today thinking much like I'm thinking and I'm hearing myself say this stuff. I cannot believe all that God has already done. It is overwhelming. Yet it's only the beginning. there's a generation coming beyond us that we get to sow into right now. This has been the vision of our church since the beginning, to raise them up, raise up game changers who are impacting our world for Christ. So wherever you're at, you might hear something different, but we're all hearing from the same spirit. So right now, breath of God, voice of God, I pray that you would speak, that you would move. I pray, Lord, for the husbands and wives and for the families who will embark into conversations and prayers together over the days and weeks ahead to seek your will for them in this vision, in this place. I pray, God, that you would reveal yourself mightily and powerfully. And most of all, God, that your presence would just be magnified and increased the lives of all of your people. Pray for fire and for passion. Mark each and every person as we step into the place that you call us to. I pray for an increased measure of faith in each and every one of our lives. You would deposit, even now, God, a new measure of faith in us to be able to believe for and contend for great things that you want to lead us into. I just speak blessing and favor over all of the families and households who are represented at Life Church X. I declare, God, a hedge of protection around them. I declare, Lord, that the enemy cannot take or rob from what you put in their hands right now in Jesus' name. And I pray, God, if I may be so bold right now, I pray for you to restore God, things that were already stolen. I pray for you to restore back into the hands of your people things that the enemy cunningly took from them that you never intended for them to lose. In Jesus' name, I pray that there would be some miraculous things, God, that would take place in the hours and the short days ahead where there would be an inflow of restoration of resources and provision that had been taken but now being restored by the mighty hand of God and that there would be testimonies in the house that declare such things. I thank you, God, for making a way. Lord, where you lead, you make a way. If there's a river, God, you can part it. You can do whatever you want to do. Most importantly, I pray that we would just be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit as a church and individually as your people. In Jesus' name, everybody 